Four weeks ago, we started the, the series called Shema, and with that, we are looking at Hebrew words in the Old Testament. We're looking at a, a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, and we're picking apart these words in the Hebrew, kind of trying to get a deeper meaning of, of what they meant to them back then and what they mean for us today. And so before I move on, I wanted to say that there's a QR code there or there's a place where you can go to our website. If you were to go to that link, uh, it takes you right to this series of the Shema that we've been in. And uh, there, there's some small group resources. There's a whole workbook and notes. And you could follow along right now on your phone if you went to that Link, you could follow along with the, the sermon series and the notes and everything like that if you wanted to. We think that's the best way for you to get the most out of sermons is to uh, talk about it with your friends, your family, or people in your life, people that you love throughout the week. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. We do have a lot of small groups going on right now to check one of those out as well. Uh, but I want to get right into this thing called the Shema, and it was a prayer that the Jewish people prayed thousands of years ago to express their commitment and their devotion to God. And here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And so as you see those words that are in blue, those are the six words that we are uh, picking apart and trying to find the meaning of them in the Hebrew language because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. We've already done the first three now. Now we're on the last three. And today we're going to be talking about heart, the meaning of heart in Hebrew. And so this is uh, interesting because some people are extremely literal in their thinking. And, and so maybe we think that the, the, the Hebrew people didn't have quite an understanding of the human anatomy. And so as we're talking about heart today, we're not necessarily talking about the, the organ that beats and flows blood around your body inside. But I think we understand this in the English language because we use heart for a lot of different things other than its literal Meaning, but before I get into that, let me ask you this question. Should you follow your heart? Should you do what feels right to you? I I know you guys have all heard that song. Maybe it was like a decade ago. You know, that that woman who said, listen to your heart. Do you guys remember that song? (laughs) When he's calling. (laughs) Every every woman in the crowd at least knows that song, right? (laughs) And we as a culture, we're like, we as a culture, we're like, yes, oh yes, follow my heart, do what feels right, do what, that's, that's good. If I get this feeling inside, I should do that and I should follow it, right? But let me ask you this question. What happened the last time you decided to follow your heart? Think about it for a moment. What you, you thought was a right thing to do? Um, that, that feeling, that desire that you wanted to chase after. Maybe, maybe there's a, a husband out there, you know, that uh, was scrolling Facebook and, and got hooked up with an old high school sweetheart. And because you followed your heart, uh, it ruined your relationship. It ruined your, your, your family dynamic at home. Or maybe there's a woman out there that has a little bit of bitterness in her heart and and because that person has bitterness in her heart, 
uh, she, she doesn't do conflict very well. And so there are people that have hurt her and there are things that need to be worked out and conversations that need to be had. But because you want to follow your heart, you've written these people off out of your lives and you don't want to do the, the right thing, the godly thing to work out and forgive and to show grace. Or maybe you're a young person out there and you were scrolling Instagram and that picture it lured you in, and it took you deeper than you ever wanted to go with, with your lust. So these are all examples of what happens when we follow our hearts, okay? The, 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 our heart can deceive us. It can, it can fool us. It can trick us. The Bible doesn't tell us ever to follow your heart. It says to examine your heart. It says don't, don't trust your heart. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is this idea of what is the heart in Hebrew? What does that mean, the word lev in Hebrew? What does it mean? How can I understand it? And then how can I turn it and change it to follow God with all my heart? Now, if we go back to this uh, idea of where uh, the Israelites are in Deuteronomy chapter 6, what's going on is that they had just been freed from bondage in a nation called Egypt. I'm sure you've heard of it. And they were wandering through the desert to make it to this promised land that God had set out and put together for them to come and live and dwell so that they could be in relationship with God in a, in a, in a land of peace that it says called a land flowing with milk and honey. And along the way, they were struggling because they kept wanting to follow their heart. They had been freed from slavery, but yet along the way, they were called to trust God in some hard situations. And so their heart says, oh, I don't like this conflict, or no, I don't like not knowing what the future holds, and so we want to go back to Egypt. Even though it was in slavery and bondage, it was comfortable for me. This is something that we talk about a lot, and uh, especially with people who are struggling with addiction, right? It's, it's like... I don't know what life is like to be clean and sober, and although my, my life is terrible right now, this is what I know, and this is what I'm comfortable in, and so I don't want to leave it. My heart is scared of what's to come, what God might ask me to do. And so let's get into this definition of what the heart is so that we can have a deeper understanding on how we should examine our hearts, test our hearts, and, and listen to what God wants us to do with our hearts. And first, I'll say this. My first point is that in biblical Hebrew, the heart is where we feel feelings and think thoughts. In fact, ancient Israelites didn't even have a word for brain that we know of. And so if you've heard this same thing reiterated by Jesus in the New Testament, he says, you shall love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, okay? But this one, it only says heart, soul, and strength because it's in Hebrew. Uh, old uh, the New Testament's written in Greek, and so they didn't really actually have this, this separate word for what you would think with, your brain or your mind, okay? And so uh, this is saying... And I have a couple of verses to share with you to support this idea that we feel feelings in our heart and we think thoughts with our heart. And let me go to the feelings one first, Jeremiah 15, 16. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, 
O Lord God of heaven's armies. That's that same word that was used there when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He's also saying, in your heart, you have joy. In your heart, you are delighted. In your heart, you feel these feelings. And Jeremiah is saying he is overjoyed by God's words. He loves them. He is delighted by them. It pushes him into happiness and glee. And, and so this is the idea that supports that the heart is where we feel feelings. But let's go to the thoughts part. In Proverbs 14.33, wisdom is enshrined in an understanding understanding heart. Wisdom is not found among fools. And so this, again, is saying it's not just a feeling, but it's also where you think your thoughts. So we would say wisdom is enshrined in an understanding brain, right? Or an understanding mind. But if we are trying to understand God's word here, the heart is made up of maybe three different types of uh, actions and feelings and emotions and will. And, and so for a fuller definition of what the heart is, I'll say this. The heart is also where we make choices. So this concept of the heart is best understood as the, the inner person, the seat of our mind, our emotions, and our will. Okay, so, so hopefully that makes it a little bit more clear for us to understand what, what is the Bible saying when it's talking about heart. And I think we understand that, right? And in the English language, we probably say heart like, man, that guy's got heart. Like he's got drive, right? He's got inte- good intentions and desires, or that guy's got a good heart. He's got good motives. Well, the same is for us, but in the Bible is what it's saying is the heart is where our mind, our emotions, and our will all come together to make the decisions that decides the course of our lives. And, and we make choices based on where our heart is and how healthy our heart is or who's, who's allowed influence in our hearts. We make our choices based off of what's going on in our hearts. And so Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Okay, now that's not saying that uh, if you uh, like God, then he'll give you whatever you want. It's basically saying if you take delight in the Lord, if you love the Lord with all your heart, then he will give you those desires that are along with his heart, okay? If you love his will and you love his word and that is what your heart is after, he will give you that. That's what that verse is saying. And so, again, he's saying that you desires come from your heart, intentions, choices come from your heart. And so if that's the case, then we should probably take care of our hearts, right? Here's what Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. This is saying here, it's not saying follow your heart. It's not saying, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve or give your heart, but it's saying guard your heart. If this is where, uh, if this is the seed of your inner person, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and it, does, it, it determines the course of how I live, we need to be protecting it, guarding it. We need to keep it healthy, right? And keep the disease out. Let me just say this. Did you guys know, as we talk about the little, literal heart for a second, that heart disease is the number one leading cause of death in America? Heart disease, the number one leading cause of death 
in America, every 36 seconds, someone dies because of heart disease. That's 655,000 people a year in America alone die from heart disease because they have a sick heart, they have a bad heart. And so this is something that's been going on for a long time as well. And so we spend uh, $219 billion every year trying to combat heart disease, okay? And so think about if we didn't do anything, how many people it would kill. All the measures that we've had to take, take to uh, keep people's hearts healthy or to help them to continue to live with a semi-bad heart. Imagine uh, if, you know, our country imposed on us that we needed to start eating healthy, right? Like, because, like, think about it, 655 thousand people die every year. That's way more than COVID, right? Uh, but imagine, and, and that's after all the money and all the things that we throw at it. Imagine if the government said, you can't eat bacon anymore, right? And started making us eat healthy food and all that. Imagine, you know, you think we're having riots now. Think about the riots that are to come because, you know, the government's trying to make us do something about that. So just like, though, just like it's important to care for our heart, guard for our, our, our heart, you know, exercise, eat right, all of that, you know, thank God nobody, nobody's making me do those things, but uh, I want to do it because I know that it's important to take care of myself, right? Just like it's important to take care of your literal heart, it's important to guard and to take care of and to uh, choose what you allow comes into your heart, Okay? Because it determines how you live. It determines how you're going to make your choices. And the heart is easily swayed and tempted. It's easily affected by the things that you take in, okay? And the heart is, is, is weak. And so the world out there is trying to get our attention and trying to sway our hearts over and over again. Everything out there is trying to sway our hearts. And even this... this our heart that we have now is deceitful and it's trying to sway the way we live, not the way God wants us to live. Let me see, let's see what uh, James says uh, he, about our desires that come from our heart. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which intense us, entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And so that word for desires is, is you could change that and put heart there. Temptation comes from our own heart. So we can't always blame everything on the outside uh, of us because something's broken on the inside of us as well. And it lures us and drags us away. And so back to that question, should you follow your heart? No. You should examine your heart, test your heart, and you can see the progression of how this is, is working, right? How temptation comes, and it starts as a thought, right? Something triggers you, and you get this thought by a temptation, and then it comes down a little bit. It comes down into your heart, and you start stewing on that, and it makes you feel feelings, right? It moves from your thoughts to your feelings and your emotions, and you start to feel and you're like, you know, maybe that would be good and that would feel good and, and that would make me feel better about how I'm feeling. And then eventually when it's fully grown, eventually you'll, 
your desire will be so strong that you'll make your choice out of that. And so again, the, the inner person, the heart is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And it causes us to do things that will destroy us. We need to give our heart over to God so that he can change it. He can fix it. The problem is, is we can't fix our own heart ourselves. And so that's my last point is this. The bad news in the Bible is that our hearts, our inner selves, are fundamentally broken because of sin. But the good news is that God can change our hearts in an instant the moment we place our faith in Jesus. So we should let God change our hearts. Again, there's nobody out there in the world that's going to be able to change your heart, give you a heart transplant because of your heart disease. And that's what we all need. We have this heart disease that nothing and no medication can fix. And none of us, there isn't a you know, televangelist pastor on TV that's going to change your heart. There isn't uh, somebody you can go meet, a psychologist that's going to go change your heart. There isn't a doctor that can change your heart. Your pastor can't change your heart. I'm not a doctor, and I don't have any patients. I was hoping you guys were going to get that one. <laughs> Come on, guys. We need God to literally do heart surgery on us because our heart is broken and nobody can fix it. Here's what Jeremiah says about the heart. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? This is fundamental to understanding the gospel. This is fundamental to understanding how to live life. To be honest with you, I think that most people struggle with the idea of wanting to admit that they have a wicked heart deep down inside them. Everybody wants to say, oh, I'm you know, better than the next guy. I'm better than my neighbor. I'm better than that guy. I'm not that bad. I don't do this. I don't do that. If I put some effort into it, I could get better. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says our heart is deceitful. And every feeling and every thought and every desire that pops into our minds is something to be serious about. And, and maybe I do need to go talk to somebody about this. Maybe I shouldn't trust what comes up here and in here all the time. Maybe I need to be accountable to someone. And ultimately, I need uh, to be accountable to God. Here's what Jesus says about the heart in the New Testament. If you think the Old Testament's not enough. He says, for from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Every, everybody tries to clean themselves from the outside and hoping that the inside's going to change because of that. That's what religion is. When you try to clean on the outside and you try to put that facade on and that mask on and even all this wicked stuff's going on inside of our hearts, if we can put on a show to everybody around, they might believe that we're good. And we also believe that if I can clean up all my outward actions, then it might change me from the inside. 
But Jesus is saying, no, you need a heart transplant. It, you, your heart needs to be changed. I want to come into you and clean you from the inside out. So you can clean yourself as much as you want on the outside, and you can perform all the religious rituals and acts you want on the outside, and that's not going to change your heart. Only God can change a person's heart. And so if we go back to Deuteronomy, uh, in chapter 30, Moses, as he had just told them in chapter 6, here's the most important thing, love the Lord God with all your heart. Now, now he's ending his farewell speech with, uh, the Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul and so you may live. Isn't that good news to you? That is good news to me. I don't know how many times I myself wanted to love God. As I was younger, as I was struggling in my life and couldn't get rid of certain sins in my life, I was like, I want to love God. I, I know that it's the right thing to do. How do I will myself to love God? How do I, do I, you just make myself do it just by the, the white knuckling it? Just making sure that I do everything that they tell me to do to be a Christian? Is that how I love God? Now, there are certain things that you can practice but at the end of the day, God's going to change your heart. And that's a wonderful promise. That he's going to change my heart so that I can love him with, his, with all of my heart. So I can surrender my heart to God. And so again, back to the, the story you know, as they were struggling over and over again, uh, wanting to follow God but couldn't. God told them that the older, the older generation was not going to make it to the promised land because they, couldn't, they didn't have a heart for God. They couldn't follow him. They couldn't live the way he wanted them to live. And they, they had this problem of constantly wanting to follow their own heart rather than his. That's the definition of sin, by the way, is following your own desires, your own will, your own choice, your own beliefs over trusting God in his way, in his truth, in his opinion. And it's, they, he was telling them that, look, I know you guys have been through a lot, but in the end, when you guys go over into that promised land, you're going to struggle even more, and you're going to wonder why. Why can't I follow you? Why can't I do this? And so much happened. As we go back to the story, we see that uh, so many things happened with differences of kings and evil kings coming into the land and leading people astray from God. But God, this is actually a prophecy that Moses is saying because it didn't actually even happen until the New Testament. The changing of your hearts and the, the giving us a new heart. And Ezekiel talks the same thing about it. Here's another prophecy. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. You see, we are all born with this heart of stone, just like the Israelites had this heart of stone. And so no matter how, how many times you come to church, no matter how many times you uh, listen to worship music or uh, put the audio Bible on while you're driving, or no matter how many times you try to hear God's word, it will just bounce off your heart over and over again until he comes in and gives you a tender, responsive heart. And that's what God 
is trying to do, and so many of us today, actually, in our lives, and he's been doing in generation after generation since Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He's wanting to do this, this heart surgery that we all need so we can have a tender, responsive heart. And then once we have that heart that he gives us, this is called regeneration. He comes into our our dead heart and our dead lives and our dead spirit and he makes it alive and then now it can actually respond because a dead person can't respond to anything, right? Have you ever tried to, you know, I hope you haven't. (laughs) I I hope you haven't ever tried to poke a dead person and try to get him to respond, but... I mean, maybe it's happened. I mean, seriously, that's a sad thing. Many of us have probably. But the the picture is, is that we're all that dead person. And God's trying to get us to respond. And we can't because our heart needs to be changed. And God is the one that does that. God gets the glory for all that. And then once we have that responsive heart, here's what happens. Another prophecy, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So answering that question is how do I follow God? Well, he has to write his instructions on how to follow him in your heart, actually. Now, I don't want you to be mistaken. I'm not saying don't pursue God. Yes, pursue God with all your heart. The Bible says, and Jeremiah himself says it, and you will find him. If you seek me and seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I'm saying you should do that. But if you're wondering why things aren't changing in your life, it might be because you haven't quite understood the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ coming to die for us, to change us, to make us new. Our heart was deceitfully wicked and broken and nobody could do anything about it, but Jesus himself came to die for that wicked heart that we have so that we could have this transformation. And then God says, I can write my ways on your heart and then your heart will want to follow me. So that Deuteronomy chapter six, verse, when we ask this question, how do I love God with all of my heart because that's what it's saying. This is the only way. There is no other way. The only way to love God with all your heart is to start with letting him come in and change your heart. Then he gives us his ways and his will. And and just before Deuteronomy chapter 6, they're talking about the Ten Commandments. Moses reiterates the Ten Commandments. That's God's law. And the Ten Commandments is God's moral law. It's like his heart His heart is written in those commandments. And he's saying, basically, I want to give you my heart and put it on your heart so that you have a heart that will follow me. But it all starts with that relationship with Jesus, understanding that our hearts are broken and there's no way that we can fix this thing on our own, that Jesus has to be the one. He has to be our great physician our Savior. And so I have one last verse for you. And we use this verse oftentimes. It gets brought up a lot. But hopefully I can explain it in a different way that will help you understand what it even means. Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now, let me help you understand this. Oftentimes, people think, okay, does that mean that I have to feel something, right? Let's go back to the definition of heart. Mind, will, and emotions. Our thoughts, our emotions, and our intentions. That's the definition of heart. And so oftentimes, people, they come to church, and they're like, man, I felt something. I felt it moving. I feel God, and I feel something happening in my heart. And so, therefore, because that happened, me and God are good. But that's just one part of this heart idea. The other part is the mind part. So maybe some people have can't understand, why can't I follow God in his ways? I had that emotional experience one time. Well, but did you understand with your mind as well? Did you have the wisdom? Has your intentions changed? And this is the idea then that it's a whole heart surrender to God. It's not just an addition. And then here's the other thing. If we flip-flop that around, some people are extremely academic. Some people know the Bible and studied it, and they know the gospel. I knew the gospel from a young age, but my life did not show any evidence of it whatsoever. I knew it up here, but it took a long time to come down here. Somebody once said that a lot of people miss Jesus by 18 inches. Your mind to your heart is about 18 inches. Some people miss him by 18 inches. What this is saying so that we don't take this out of context anymore, is that if you will love God, back to Deuteronomy chapter six, if you will surrender your whole heart to God and love, your, love him with your whole heart, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you declare that he is Lord of your life because that's what it means. Lord is my master, and so I am submitting and surrendering to him my whole heart. My actions, my thoughts, my decisions, my intentions. That is what it means to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, is really understand that you're giving him your whole heart. And by doing this, you are made right with God. And so how do you do it, right? What, what, what are you telling me to do practically? Well, I'll put it in simple terms to use the mind and the heart in the same phrase. We've got to have the right information and the right attitude about it, okay? We've got to know the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to die to save sinners, and that's you and me, so that we could be forgiven. He took our place, which we deserved on the cross. We've got to know the truth that Jesus was God and is God, but then we've also got to understand that my heart is broken then, and I have gone against you over and over again, and I followed my own heart, now I need to turn and follow you. We call that repentance, okay? So it takes the right information and the right attitude. And so for all of us here today, whether you've ever done that, if you've ever trusted in Jesus or not, or if you're a Christian, you've been coming for a while, and, and uh, maybe you're struggling in your life with certain things, wondering you know, God, why, why isn't this changing? Why isn't my heart growing for you? I just want you to know that God, he is the most loving and gracious God, the only God. The, he's the great physician. Um, we can't do this surgery, but he can and he will. Um, and so probably the most important thing we could do 
is get on our knees and our faces and say, God, will you change my heart? I need you to change my heart. Change me from the inside out so that I can love you for the rest of my life. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you admitting that our hearts are broken. We trust your word. We don't even need your word to tell us that because if we were humble enough, we would know the truth about ourselves that we do continue to have evil inside of our hearts. But we do trust that we haven't measured up to your glorious standard. But the wonderful thing is, God, is that you don't expect us to get there. You don't expect us to live up to your standard. And that is why you sent your son to die for us. So that we could have a heart that would follow you and want to do it willingly, not out of obligation, not out of religion. And we would even have the power to do it. We don't have the power in and of ourselves to follow any parts of you, God. But uh, with this new heart that you have given us or that you want to give some of us today, God, I just pray that we would understand what it means to surrender our whole hearts to you. God, change our hearts. Change me. Change us from the inside out over and over again. Every day if I have to remind myself of this until you come back. God, have your mercy on us. We thank you for your loving kindness and your forgiveness. Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.